0: Again, my name is Dan Albrecht with Leopardo Construction. I am uh, chair of the programs along with Jeanette Outlaw with OFS Brands and Howard Wender with Strata Real Estate Services. As I say every month, uh, today's program is being podcast and I wanted to reiterate our extensive library that we've amassed over the last four or five years which I think we're up to about 50 different presentations. You can go back, listen to what speakers have said in the past, compare notes on what's happening in today's uh, environment and uh, uh, use it as a good tool. Uh, upcoming programs, as Carla had uh, alluded to, next month we're talking about mergers and acquisitions. We hear it all the time on the radio it's the rebirth of m a activity so we get, uh, we're, we're got a lot of lines out to a lot of different uh, opportunities and speakers out there, and we will have more information coming up in our blasts and website. Uh, In July, uh, being the 4th of July, it's uh, a topic on Made in the USA, we're talking about manufacturing. We may touch on it a little bit here today to see what uh, the different states and regions are doing here to attract manufacturing back. But it is a topic we're going to explore in more detail with different uh, manufacturers here uh, in the Midwest. Uh, we also encourage your suggestions uh, at our luncheons. Every, at the end of every lunch, we pass out a survey, uh, with your, and we look for your feedback, also looking for some new ideas, so please uh, write that down and encourage your uh, suggestions. So today's program, How the Midwest Was Won, talking about economic development initiatives and strategies, and a real quick special thank you to Jennifer Fitzgerald, who not only assembled our established speakers today, our panel today, but also is going to be doing the moderating as well. Thank you, Jennifer. Our speakers today, we have Warren Ribley, Director of Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Mitch Robe, Secretary of Commerce, Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Todd Battle, President of Kenosha Area Business Alliance. And of course, Jennifer Fitzgerald, Vice President of Duff and Phelps. I'm gonna do a quick bio on each of these, on on each of our speakers. You guys can take the stage, perfect. And uh, I do have, as if you look on the table, I have their complete bios. I don't want to take up the presentation talking about how great each one of these speakers are today. We'll let them speak for themselves. But real briefly, Mitch Robe, Secretary of Commerce State of Indiana uh, and Chief Executive Officer of Indiana Economic Development Corporation. As Secretary of Commerce, Robe is a member of Governor uh, Mitch Daniels' cabinet and leads the state's economic development efforts. We also have uh, Warren Ribley, who's director of the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. He was appointed by Governor Pat Quinn in March of 09. In his first term, Ribley prioritized the state's economic development efforts, which resulted in Illinois creating more jobs than any other Midwestern state coming out of global recession. Highlights of the first two years include building the state's green economy, training in high growth sectors, increased investments in entrepreneurs and innovation, building up disadvantaged communities. From Wisconsin, we have Todd Battle, president of Kenosha Area Business Alliance, uh, a role he has uh, held since joining the organization in April 2004. Uh, They are a public-private partnership that serves as Kenosha County's economic development organization. In his role uh, as president, Todd is responsible for managing the organization's operations, including business development initiatives, a $28.5 million economic development portfolio, investor relations, and education foundation that supports elementary school mentoring and college scholarship programs. And our moderator, we have Jennifer Fitzgerald, who is vice president of Duff & Phelps, where she provides business incentives advisory services to companies that are evaluating real estate expansion and relocation opportunities. Jennifer has 12 years of government and private sector experience in economic development. Prior to joining Duff and Phelps in 2007, she provided multi-state site selection services to BNSF Railway customers while working for the Stahlbach Company, now part of Jones Lang LaSalle. Jennifer spent the initial six years of her career with the Illinois Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity, where she provided incentive packages to companies located throughout Illinois. A round of applause. Jennifer, the floor is yours. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dan, and thank all of you for coming today. Uh, I think, uh, as you know, timing is everything, and given the recent headlines, I would say our timing couldn't be better to discuss Midwest economic development initiatives and strategies. Uh, The headlines I'm referring to include May 10th, the Northwest Business Indiana, says Indiana ranks as the sixth best state for business, as determined by Chief Executive Magazine. Another headline just this week was 100 million in state incentives keeps Motorola mobility in Libertyville, Illinois, according to the Sun-Times on May 7th. And incentives, no guarantee, a company will remain in Illinois, as stated in the Chicago Tribune on March 5th in reference to Uline moving its headquarters from Illinois to Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin just last year. So without further ado, I'm going to turn this over to our three distinguished uh, speakers, uh, beginning with Todd Battle from the Kenosha Area Business Alliance, um, to discuss what's behind these headlines and what are the Midwest economic development initiatives and strategies. So, oh, um, I think it's there. There you go. Okay.
2: Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Todd Battle, and uh, I work with the Kenosha Area Business Alliance a little bit different than the other panelists. I work on a local level. Both of these gentlemen I'm here with uh, cover entire states. Uh, my, my focus is admittedly a little bit more local. I, I hope in uh, sharing some of these notes I can give you a little bit of that flavor for some of the things we do on a local level and how we interact with our state. Um, I'd also want to cover a little bit about our region. More and more you're seeing economic development uh, activity uh, held at a regional level. We've been a proud uh, part of the Milwaukee 7 region, which uh, over the last five to seven years has really started to uh, pull together a very strong regional network and take our Southeast Wisconsin area uh, to a little bit larger level. So I thought I'd today give you just kind of a short overview of the, the community I work in and the region I represent and some of our economic development initiatives and then uh, do that quickly and then be able to participate in the discussion as we get into uh, what the Midwest is doing as a whole. Um, uh, The Southeast Wisconsin region, uh, the M7 region as we call it, it's about seven counties, around two million residents and about a million jobs. Uh, That includes about 52,000 businesses and an economy of about 83 billion dollars. You all know the Chicago region fairly well. We always uh, make the point that uh, the Chicago-Milwaukee corridor, especially in Kenosha, is kind of this growth corridor, and and we're situated well in the middle of it, but I think you know a lot about the Chicago region and this area is becoming a mega region here in the United States and North America. Uh, To talk a little bit about Southeast Wisconsin and some of the things going on there, um, we do like to tout the fact uh, some of the major powerhouse companies that are located in Southeast Wisconsin, I'm sure these are names you recognize. Uh, but on a per capita basis, fifth in the na- nation for Fortune 500 headquarters. Um, uh, our ec- our business climate and our economy continues to improve. A couple of recent studies by KPMG and Ernst and Young uh, ranked the Milwaukee region uh, as being the fourth best in the in the nation for tax competitiveness. Uh, other assets we tout on an economic development level uh, clearly we have access to O'Hare, uh, and and. Uh, and Midway, but the uh, General Mitchell Airport has really become a nice asset for the Milwaukee region uh, and is uh, you know a, a little bit of a nice alternative in terms of uh, lack of congestion. We clearly tout some of the things from a quality of life and uh, living s- standpoint uh, in terms of being able to get around Southeast Wisconsin and a lack of congestion. Wisconsin Energy, who has been a major supporter of economic development in the state of Wisconsin and the Milwaukee 7 region, respectively, is consistently recognized as being one of the most reliable power companies in the country. And our education system is kind of a staple of what we tout. Uh, uh, We've been a leader in charter school initiatives and reforming education. And actually, Wisconsin was the birthplace of the first uh, technical college system statewide. And you you recognize a lot of these names from Marquette to UWM and then getting into some of our technical colleges, Uh, a number of great institutions, almost 121,000 college students in the region, and uh, in, in good proximity to Big Ten universities like Northwestern and UW-Madison. So uh, we, we definitely, as, as we're out talking to companies about why you'd invest in Southeast Wisconsin, what's great about our region, uh, clearly I, I think the denominator for future economic development is really gonna be workforce, so you have to have a community that people wanna live in, you've got great assets. Uh, and, and you can attract, retain, and keep your talent. And so, this is high, high praise from Fortune magazine recently for, for Southeast Wisconsin. Um, a little bit about uh, kind of our, some of our economic development targets. Manufacturing is still uh, a critical element to Wisconsin's economy. Uh, we typically are neck and neck with Indiana uh, with respect to uh, concentration in, in manufacturing. Uh, this slide must have been done when Wisconsin was number one. I'm not sure if we still are. Uh, I know we go back and forth a lot. And uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee region, from an industry concentration standpoint, still has a uh, pretty good significant degree of manufacturing, and we're starting to see a real rebound in that as well. Um, some of the regional driver industries in southeast Wisconsin, just to kind of give you the lay of our economy, manufacturing is a very important segment, accounting for close to 170,000 jobs. Uh, financial services, headquarters, IT, healthcare, uh, distribution, other kind of key, key elements. From, a, uh, from our region, some of the industries that we clearly are targeting and, and putting our ore in the water with would include um, some elements of manufacturing, specifically power control and automation is a particular sweet spot for the Southeast Wisconsin region. Uh, we have given our state's ag history and some of our assets Uh, Food manufacturing makes a lot of sense for us. Over the last three to four years, we have really positioned Southeast Wisconsin well uh, to focus on clean water technology. We have a number of companies that are in that space that are really uh, making a lot of uh, moves to position Southeast Wisconsin as a hub for worldwide water technology and doing a good job with it. A lot of our colleges and universities are uh, developing curriculum around that uh, and it's really starting to pay some dividends. Uh, obviously, bio and medical technology, GE Healthcare uh, and a number of other major firms headquartered in the region, uh, that's, that's a sweet spot for us, uh, and, and IT. Uh, with respect to uh, statewide uh, initiatives, uh, we, we got a new governor uh, in January of this year. Uh, Scott Walker uh, came into office in Wisconsin. Um, he's really uh, touted the message of Wisconsin being open for business, uh, that includes some uh, a reorganization of our Commerce Department, which had come a li- become a little bit sleepy. They are following the Indiana model and in, in the process of establishing the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and maybe opposed to a, a state agency creating what is more like a public-private partnership on a statewide level. Um, we've enacted a number of regulatory reforms, mostly legal and tort reform and uh, liability caps and, and kind of just things to improve the business climate. Um, and, and, and just basically said we're gonna hold the line on taxes, we're gonna make some tough choices, we're gonna get our state's uh, you know, financial house in order, uh, and so those are a number of things the Walker administration has started doing already, and probably the one area in the state budget uh, that they are putting some additional resources to is economic development. Uh, initially, they've added about $25 million to the economic development tax credit war chest, uh, they've passed a business relocation tax credit legislation, and more recently, uh, actually just this week, proposed a establishment of a venture capital authority, which would come with it about $400 million of uh, different forms of tax credits to encourage investments in early stage companies. Some of that in the form of uh, following on the success of our Act 255, which was an investor tax credit uh, giving... Uh, investors and ability to earn tax credits for making early stage investments. So those are a few of the things that are teed up and on the agenda in Wisconsin.
3: uh, And I think I'll stop there.
1: Mitch, would you like to uh, jump in and tell us about Indiana?
3: Sure. Um, First of all, um, Illinois isn't Indiana and Indiana isn't Illinois. Um, And this is six years after what what Scott Walker is doing in Wisconsin, this is what happens to you. Right, you become incredibly competitive in, in terms of a locational choice where um, uh, companies around the country and around the world choose to locate. Um, and unluckily, right now, um, you know, we've, we're in, a, in a, um, uh, a very difficult conversation uh, overseas um, with, con- with uh, companies from China, from India, uh, and from Europe uh, in terms of getting them to decide to A, invest in America, uh, and B, uh, to invest in the Midwest um, and uh, so part of our efforts are to differentiate ourselves from other people in the Midwest <coughs> who have chosen to take a path different than the one that we have chosen uh, which is uh, to create a highly competitive environment for businesses. Um, and so this is a, a small piece of that discussion which is if you're Illinois by higher taxes, you know, take a look uh, at your eastern neighbor in Indiana. Uh, we have rejected the idea that you can tax your way into prosperity or borrow yourself out of debt. Now, quite candidly, these seem like self-evident things to which to reject. Um, but um, other folks have chosen um, a different path, and candidly, that different path um, has not—we uh, view as dangerous to the region. The uh, uh, most recently, the uh, this came out this week, Chief Executive Magazine ranked Illinois as the 48th least competitive state in the country, um, and Indiana as the 6th most competitive state in the country. Uh, In terms of cost of doing business, Indiana is the 10th lowest cost uh, of doing business in the country. We have something called a AAA bond (coughs) rating in Indiana, right? We have an honestly balanced budget, which means This year, next year, the following year, the year after that, we will not be raising taxes on individuals or on corporations. In fact, yesterday, Governor Daniels signed a reduction, a reduction in the corporate income tax in our state. This is the capstone of a near generation-long effort in Indiana by Republicans and Democrats alike to position our state as being the choice, not only in the Midwest, but uh, throughout the country in terms of places that people want to keep and bring their personal and financial capital. And here you see the corporate tax rate differentials between where Illinois is, where Indiana is, and where Wisconsin is. Um, This was, again, the last of a series of efforts that we've been through uh, to make Indiana uh, the choice for business location uh, and for people in your businesses to recommend to your clients for investment. Um, If you look at the cost comparisons between Illinois and Indiana, they're stark. Particularly in the areas of workman's compensation. Uh, The the, uh, uh, gentleman who is the chairman of the board of of Caterpillar uh, yesterday described or uh, in, I believe, the Chicago uh, Tribune or or other uh, local media outlets, the cost differential as being seven times that of what it is for workman's comp in uh, Indiana. And we, along with Seven times the workman's, seven times the differential in workman's comp. And that makes an enormous difference to the bottom line of manufacturing companies. It's one of the reasons why we in Wisconsin oscillate between the, the one and two uh, in terms of, of manufacturing uh, in, our, in our country. And by the way, Indiana and Wisconsin are the only two states in the union that have more people employed in manufacturing than in government. Um, it wasn't always that way in Indiana, right? When Mitch Daniels took office in, 2000 and f- in, in 2005, we were in the red, right? We made, we made the kind of difficult choices that you see being made today in Wisconsin, right? We did away with public employees unions. Um, we dramatically changed the way we, we operated uh, the human services agency in our state. Um, we changed virtually everything we did in the state government, and, and including the BMV. Just to give you an example. Our efforts at the BMV have resulted in an average wait time for a new driver's license of seven minutes. When you walk into a when you walk into a BMV in our state, in seven minutes you will walk out with a new driver's license. Um, that the uh, the budget issues in Illinois, I think most of you are are sadly aware of, and 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 um, taxes taxes matter to businesses, right? We have sought to be a place throughout this difficult recession a place that, that investors could recognize would, would be a location that would not raise taxes. We have not raised taxes during the recession and we are not going to raise taxes um, into the future. Um, and, and personal income growth, as a result of those, those efforts on our part, the parsimony of our local and state governments in Indiana, right, we've, we've seen the fastest personal income growth in the Midwest. And this is a key success factor for us to grow personal income. And ultimately, people vote with their feet, right? None of us were born in or, or, or none, of our, none of our families um, uh, were evolved here in Illinois or Indiana or Wisconsin. Someone, some, some member of our family chose this as a location for us uh, and for their family because they believed that it was the best place for them in the country to locate. But what you'll see here is that in Indiana, we are the fastest growing state uh, east of the Mississippi. Right? We are growing at 6.6% uh, over the last decade. That's indicative of people voting with their feet, of moving not only their businesses but their, but their most important asset themselves to a place where they believe they have the greatest prospects. So sometimes, sometimes the grass really is greener. So please give me a call. Thanks.
1: Well, before uh, we all start calling Mitch, maybe we want to hear uh, what Illinois has, has to say.
4: <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, uh, Jennifer, and, and thanks for all of you uh, for, for attending what uh, I think will be, a, um, if not a, a educational, uh, perhaps somewhat uh, entertaining uh, session. And I want to uh, welcome uh, uh, Mitch and, and Todd uh, as well and uh, invite them to stay in Illinois as long as they would like and spend <laughs> as much money as they possibly can. So, uh, you know, it, it, I guess sometimes, uh, you know, when, uh, when you're at the top of the p- uh, pyramid you, you become kind of an easier uh, target but I'd like to start by really just providing uh, some perspective. And first of all is that uh, the state of Illinois has the 17th largest gross domestic uh, product of any economy in the world. That's comparative across uh, all of the countries uh, in the world and, and within the United States, or 17. You know, and, and our concern really um, is less about the uh, uh, the businesses uh, next door in our neighboring states because uh, we really recognize that our competition uh, is on a global scale uh, and we have to compete for the world's uh, greatest uh, established companies. and. Um, I'm going to expand upon that later, but uh, you know, one of the successful, most successful classes of businesses that we've been able to uh, compete and attract are uh, corporate uh, global headquarters. If you look at the uh, Fortune 100, you'll find uh, that uh, 10 of those companies are right here in Illinois, uh, 19 in the top 250, uh, 31 in the top 500. Just by contrast, Illinois, uh, Indiana has five companies within the. Uh, Fortune 500, Wisconsin has nine. You know, Illinois has a strong history of uh, innovation and, and startup success uh, and that began um, you know, nearly 200 years ago and you can track the um, um, modern miracles uh, from there that, that continue today and it started with the steel plow, uh, now to the s- uh, skyscraper. We're uh, the home of Twinkie and we're also uh, the home of Groupon. Uh, and there's just something about Illinois that uh, grows ideas as easily as uh, we can grow crops for the world. Um, now I know we're going to continue debate about uh, the corporate uh, tax structure that, uh, that we have uh, within our states, but the, the reality is that CEOs that we talk to today say they prefer the stability that's here today rather than the uncertainty uh, that they experienced uh, in the past, and we know we have more work to do. There's uh, there's no doubt about that, um, and we do recognize that one of the biggest uh, challenges right now is the cost of workers' compensation premiums. Uh, but the governor is uh, leading uh, the, the the fight for reform. Um, it, we're in the, pa- the final few weeks of our legislative session. Uh, the legislative leaders, uh, business, uh, labor uh, are sitting down, and, and we're confident that we will come to uh, a, a solution. Um, you know, and I understand the temptations uh, to battle uh, each other uh, for jobs but, um, you know, let's, let's just not forget the of the fact that we've just now uh, are starting to come out of uh, what's been the, the worst recession that any of us have ever faced in our entire uh, lifetimes. And we're seeing sectors uh, start recovering. Uh, we see small businesses are starting uh, to feel better about uh, hiring. Uh, but, you know, we still know there's a lot of people uh, in throughout the Midwest uh, that, uh, and the nation that are still looking uh, for work. But, you know, here's the reality. The Midwestern states should be working closer together now, not really fighting amongst each other, to market our region in the global competitive economy. Uh, you know, an approach that just focuses on picking off uh, a neighbor's state business is, is really narrow-minded. Uh, and it's a zero-sum game for the region. Uh, and, you know, it really just kind of reminds me of a Wild Wild West approach in a Star Trek world. Uh, you know, Illinois is the anchor of the Midwest region. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we're number one in exports. Uh, we're number one in foreign investment. We're number one in attracting uh, uh, visitors. Uh, truly, as, as Illinois goes, so goes the Midwest. So. I really think we should spend more time working together as a region uh, and we'll be more successful doing that in uh, securing financing for projects like high-speed rail uh, and attracting uh, uh, research and, and development and you know we'll be able to working together we can actually leverage more uh, breakthrough technologies and together uh, we can ensure a, a thriving export market for the entire region's uh, goods and services. And, and that's really the vision that Governor Quinn has brought uh, and, and to which he is committed as chair of the Midwest uh, Governors Association. Uh, you know, if you stop back, if you stop and take a step back and, and look at things, uh, Midwestern states are, are truly uh, facing a major economic transformation. Uh, and we are continuing to do that as we climb out of this recession. Uh, And Chicago, without a doubt, is a a financial and commercial hub of this region and it really behooves us to uh, work together uh, collaboratively across our traditional uh, geographic and and political uh, uh, boundaries. Um, You know, the the honest fact is none of us uh, from any of the Midwestern states uh, can compete globally anymore on the cost of labor or on the cost of production with developing economies we were there, we've become an advanced mature economy, we can't compete with them on labor or production. But what we can do and what we have to do is harness our intellectual capacity as innovators, as we've done in the past, as entrepreneurs, to build jobs around uh, the developing and expanding knowledge-based economy that, that invests in sustainable sectors, that respect our environment, uh, while creating real wealth. We've got to get back to creating real wealth. Uh, that's a primary regional challenge as as we see it and those are really more the the, the goals that that drive our economic development strategy and that's really more the, the, the vision that we see. Um, you know, with that I'm confident that uh, businesses are going to continue to come to Illinois uh, and the Midwest and, and why? Because they have the ability to, to fly anywhere in the world, they have the ability to transport uh, their goods uh, to, to anywhere in the world. Um, and frankly, we can provide our employees with a higher quality of life. And, and we can tap into that brain power that provides uh, the world's uh, best and brightest. So um, again, I, I look forward to, to getting more into more detail through the uh, question and, and answer session. Uh, but I think we really need to be thinking about how are we gonna modernize our approach and develop sustainable approaches that provides real economic growth uh, for the region. Thank you.
1: Okay, well. (laughs) There's obviously plenty here to talk about. Um, I have some ideas of where we can start. Um, I I think uh, you guys are ready to go with me, but if anyone in the audience has questions as we're going, Please don't hesitate to interrupt, and um, as much as we can make this a dialogue, uh, I think the better. So um, with that, I think that several of you mentioned um, working as a region, which I think is a good thing. Um, Obviously, you want to differentiate yourselves. Um, One of the topics um, in the Wall Street Journal on May 5th was an article by John Busey about China's disappearing cost advantage. Uh, For industrial manufacturing, which suggests manufacturing may be returning to the U.S., and I'm just wondering what each of you are doing to uh, capture or capitalize on that trend. Um, Anyone want to begin? Warren, you just uh, you want to go ahead?
4: Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think that's uh, that's true. I think uh, a lot of uh, corporations are are now uh, seeing what uh, you know some of the things that I just talked about you may be able to get lower costs of, of of labor and lower costs of production, but you're not gonna get the same quality that you can get in uh, in, in states that have been doing this uh, for, for numbers of years. Uh, we have better trained workforces. We have uh, more intellectual uh, brain power. We know China has a lot of money to invest, uh, and they're gonna be looking uh, to states uh, to make that kind of investment. But you're also seeing, I think, some traditional uh, United States manufacturers looking to bring their uh, their business back home, so what you really have to do is is, is focus on what we 've uh, continued to focus on and what we focused on in the past, uh, which is uh, a, a well trained workforce, uh, a, a good educational system, um, and just providing the, the kind of uh, access uh, to markets uh, that uh, that uh, companies look for It's you know i don 't think it 's any uh, uh, secret, why when uh, President um, uh, Hu uh, visited from China, visited the United States just a few months ago, he went two places. He went to the Washington, D.C., visited with President Obama, and he came to Chicago, Illinois.
3: Yeah, um, I, I would generally agree with, I know this is a surprise, but I, <laughs> well, I, born, but I, I, I generally agree with them. I think that, that it, it, it is up to, up to people in America uh, to out-innovate and out-quality um, the, the, the productive c- capacity that exists in China. I'd also add that some of our greatest companies in Indiana um, are doing extraordinarily well in China, um, creating product for the Chinese market and selling product for the Chinese market in China. That product is being designed in Indiana. And the best example of that is Cummins, in, uh, Cummins um, is, is hiring thousands of new engineers uh, in Indiana to create Pratt prod- or in America. And they're actually competing with other states now for that business. Um, I probably shouldn't have told Warren that. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, um, uh, b- but that opportunity exists in China. So it's not a one-way street with China, right? It is a two-way street with China. And, and I think it's wrong for, for us to look at as a one-way street. It's a tremendous opportunity as that middle class grows um, for our healthcare companies, for our automobile companies. I mean, if GM ever gets back to profitability, it's mm-hmm. not because of the domestic market, it's because of China.
1: Right, okay. Um, it, well, and some of the other... Uh, Todd, do you have anything to add? Uh,
2: I would agree with those points. The other thing, too, that you, you see is uh, the, the, the moving production overseas has always been kind of this uh, economic formula where you throw in you know, the, the advantages of the low-cost labor, and then, you you know, you wash out the transportation cost to bring it back, and that that dynamic's consistently changing. And then we still got to re- recognize that the U.S. consumer market is still so incredibly large. Years ago, when there was this flight to Mexico and China and some of these low-cost areas, maybe a little bit too much mm-hmm. production went to places that really needs to needs to be here to serve uh, consumers based in North America. And so I think that you're seeing a little bit of all that shake out.
1: Okay. And I think, uh, as Warren mentioned, part of that is um, retaining and creating a very skilled, high-skilled workforce. And so, to do that, what, uh, what is each of your states, um, how are they making sure that we're staying ahead of the game uh, as far as education? Uh, go ahead, well, I would just
3: say, we just uh, uh, unabashedly stole everything out of the Wisconsin playbook on education. Um, and are uh, thrilled to have done it, uh, and we think we've gone a little bit further than, than Wisconsin has in, tr- uh, in the most recent legislative session. Um, and we're 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 proud plagiarizers. So, um, uh, Warren, when you have a good idea, we'll steal that too. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the the, uh, uh, but uh, we've we've uh, really passed enormous uh, education change in uh, in Indiana. Um, uh, more charter schools. More uh, ad- uh, additions to K through 12 education, uh, mandatory K, uh, uh, pre-K, and and kindergarten, uh, in the most recent s- session of the legislature. So all this, by the way, uh, inside of a balanced budget with a tax decrease.
1: Okay. Um, well, then, if uh, do you want to comment on that, or do you want to move on? That's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Um, we'll move on. I think everybody knows that we need to create uh, a talented workforce and, um, and that you're all focused on that. Um, one of the other things when it comes to real estate and site selection and assistance that these guys work with every day um, is incentives, uh, financial incentives, um, such as I mentioned in the beginning, $100 million to Motorola Mobility. and How does that really uh, drive a company's decision? And um, Specifically, um, Todd, I, f- I found it interesting that Wisconsin's legislature is considering um, doing away with the EAV restriction for the TIF and um, that that may benefit Pleasant Prairie in particular. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could comment on that.
2: Yeah, the this, this specific item you're talking about is uh, currently uh, tax increment financing is a tool that's used quite frequently in Wisconsin. It's one of our... Uh, you know, most impactful economic development tools, especially related to larger real estate development projects. Uh, there's a, essentially a, 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 a legislated cap on the amount of value that can be in a TIF district. And because of the uh, recent uh, challenges in the real estate market and the fluctuation in uh, residential values and and pretty stable commercial industrial values, some communities in the state of Wisconsin are getting to the point where they're out of formula or capped mm-hmm. out. and, and their flexibility or ability to use TIFF is becoming limited. So, there is a movement afoot in the legislature to try and address that because uh, it has been a pretty valuable tool for economic development.
1: And I think it'll be interesting to see if that's uh, established statewide or if that's specific to uh, Pleasant Prairie as well. Because I, I do, I agree, I think a lot of companies could benefit from that. Um, Warren, I'd like your comment regarding recent decision to allow tax credits to be used against withholding tax, um, especially for uh, automobile manufacturers such as, uh, or in that industry such as Navistar, and then wireless telecommunication manufacturers um, like Motorola Mobility, um, and whether or not Illinois would ever consider changing uh, the edge law in order to make it either refundable like Illinois, or like (coughs) Indiana and Wisconsin's, or expand it to apply to all industries against withholding tax?
4: Sure, um, I think that, um, first of all, there, there's been proposals pretty much on an annual basis uh, uh, to change the type of, of structure of the, of the EDGE uh, tax credit uh, um, and you know, they have not, uh, they've not been successful. Uh, we, uh, Governor Quinn, however, uh, did uh, successfully uh, get uh, the EDGE uh, statute changed to allow uh, the auto industry to, take, uh, uh, a, the, to retain the withholdings as opposed to applying a, a credit against their uh, corporate taxes. I mean, uh, as I've mentioned before, we've gone through the Great Recession. The auto industry was probably the industry that uh, uh, was hardest hit. Uh, so, frankly, they, they weren't making a lot of money. They weren't profitable, so a tax credit did not do them any good. At the same time, they were looking to rebuild, retool. We've got three auto manufacturing uh, facilities in Illinois, uh, Ford, Chrysler, and Mitsubishi. And as a result of that change, which does allow them to offset some of their investment, each one of those manufacturers have added new product line, significant new investment, and retaining the job. So that is demonstrated uh, that uh, that was a, a, a good move that helped uh, bring stability to one of the most important uh, industries in, uh, in the state. Now, uh, Motorola Mobility was, uh, was a bit of a, a, of a different story. Um, uh, I think everyone knows that Motorola split into two companies. Uh, the CEO of Motorola Mobility, which makes all the wireless uh, devices, is uh, Sanjay Jha. Uh, he came from California. He was CEO of Qualcomm. Uh, he maintains a home in California. Um, also, I think most of you probably know the Motorola smartphone product is based on google 's uh, operating system. Uh, it was uh, very real that uh, Motorola Mobility uh, might move back uh, to uh, California uh, and Actually, uh, there was a competing side as well in, uh, in Austin, Texas. But I, I think one thing that gets over, a couple things that get overlooked. First of all, it's $100 million, but it's over a 10-year period. Uh, and it's performance-based, and, and that's the way it is in, in most of our, our state statutes. Uh, performance-based, meaning a company commits to making an investment, uh, in this case, over $600 million, uh, and they committed to retaining Uh, over 3,000 jobs. Each one of those jobs pays uh, over $100,000 a year. So they they demonstrated that they had this out of state option. We required them to to make sure that they, they meet their investments and keep their jobs, they don't get the credit. And then thirdly, you know, there's an economic uh, impact analysis uh, that, that at least we do on every single one of these projects where you calculate a rate of return. We're talking about 3,000 jobs at over $100,000 a year. There, there's a significant uh, supply chain uh, that uh, feeds off of that. There are significant uh, uh, service uh, positions uh, that feed off of that. If you take those 3,000 jobs out of the Illinois economy, And see what happens to the uh, to the indirect um, uh, positions, uh, and you calculate a return on investment. uh, It does not take very long. In this case, uh, less than two years uh, to recoup that hundred million dollars over the ten years. So, you know, there's a lot of analysis that go into these uh, projects. Uh, It often gets overlooked, um, you know, in in the simple headline. But, um, you know, we it's a justified, it's a smart decision, and if we had not made it and Motorola Mobility had moved, um, we'd been facing a lot uh, tougher questions and and a lot more serious problems.
1: Okay, Um, I'd like to cover another hot topic, uh, which is union labor and collective bargaining. Um, There's been a lot of discussion uh, regarding that recently, and I'm just wondering, Mitch, how do you manage these issues um, from an economic development perspective? And when you're speaking with a company, how do you, um, what do you say to them if they're concerned about their labor costs uh, related to collective bargaining and unions?
3: Well, we're, we're um, uh, we work very hard to um, uh, respond to that question. I mean, candidly, uh, Indiana is not a to, right to work state yet. Right. Uh, there was a movement in our General Assembly to make Indiana a right-to-work state. I believe that you, that movement. I, I believe in Indiana, you'll see a lot more activity on that uh, in the next two or three years, um, and that would that would uh, that would really that would continue to help us to be, become a more competitive uh, business location. Very few businesses wake. Very few chief executive officers wake in the wake up in the morning and say, "I really want to be unionized." Um, I've never met that chief executive <laughs> officer. Who wants to um, that said, much of Indiana is is union free we've not had a successful union uh, unionization of a business in Indiana in um, in as long as anyone can remember uh, you, the uh, union um, unions are waning in our state uh, and uh, um, we're uh, people can choose to be in the, a union if they want um, but uh, it it's uh, it's an issue for us.
1: Okay. Um, Todd, do you want to comment on uh, Wisconsin's uh, collective bargaining union?
2: Sure. It's uh, been a been a hot topic in uh, Wisconsin. I'm sure uh, somebody's uh, heard about that. Uh, we had uh, we had four, fourteen senators uh, uh, flee the state to not act on uh, a collective bargaining bill. This was actually uh, our governor had actually. Uh, basically uh, went after public unions and state unions specifically uh, as a way to try and balance our state's budget. Uh, it's a you know, really contentious issue, obviously, uh, but it, but at the end of the day, in, in most organizations, I see in the private sector, some of the, the public sector benefits that were being doled out to state employees, uh, local government employees were, ju- were just not something that could be sustainable if we were going to have a balanced budget. Uh, they acted to uh, do away with some of those things, change the way we fund pensions, change the way we fund uh, retiree benefits and health care, uh, and try to balance the state 's budget. Um, it, it definitely has led to a lot of consternation. Uh, we all want to kind of see things settle down, which they have started to do uh, a little bit, but it, you know it is a it 's a very contentious issue. Uh, you know, people that are, have collectively bargained for certain rights or are public employees or are, have felt they're entitled to <laughs> these benefits, don't want to see them stripped away. And people in the private sector and taxpayers are saying, you know, we, we can't afford these things anymore if we want to balance the state's budget and get our fiscal house in order. So, uh, to, to, to be continued, I think, a little bit in Wisconsin. Okay.
1: And Warren, what do you see with uh, CEOs? Obviously, uh, Illinois is a strong union state. Um, and do you see that driving companies away or, or deterring them uh, from coming here?
4: Uh, no, I really don't. I mean, the, the union movement uh, uh, has its historic uh, base uh, in the Midwest. Um, uh, Governor Quinn, and, and I think most policy uh, leaders uh, in Illinois, uh, su- uh, support the rights of uh, collective bargaining uh, and negotiation. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, you don't have to stand up to, to both business uh, and unions. Um, uh, the governor's been willing to, to do that. Uh, uh, he made some um, unpopular uh, choices in, in uh, bringing about uh, reform of the public sector uh, pension system. Uh, I mentioned collective bargaining, uh, or, I'm sorry, I mentioned a workers' uh, compensation reform. Uh, there's also uh, teacher reform mm-hmm. legislation going through the Illinois General Assembly. So, uh, it, it, we re, you know, generally I think what, what is important is you have to bring uh, workers and, and business together. Uh, we don't see uh, uh, unions as, uh, uh, a, a, as an enemy. We see them uh, as a partner that has to work uh, together um, uh, with business and, and, and negotiate.
1: Okay. Um, Well, you've mentioned a lot of uh, reform that the governor is working on in Illinois. Um, Obviously, there's also some state budget issues um, and changes of tax rates, as Mitch mentioned, and as we all know, here in Illinois, I think Todd touched on it as well. Um, What do you see happening um, to turn things around here in Illinois um, soon, hopefully?
4: Well, first of all, again, uh, I, I think uh, you know, businesses uh, tell us that they're looking uh, for stability uh, and, it, and it's awful easy to, uh, to make uh, you know, some comparisons uh, to, to tax structures, uh, but I, I can tell you tax structures in every single state are a very complicated manner uh, and it's very easy to overlook a true apple to apple type comparison. Uh, but in places uh, that that do that, Illinois' tax structure uh, is, is still uh, comparable. It is not way out of line compared uh, uh, to, to, to other states. Uh, but what you really have to do is provide the kind of uh, competitive climate through your through your workforce, uh, through your transportation infrastructure, uh, and uh, really uh, you know market the kind of uh, strength of the assets. Tax structures are are one. Equation, but uh, you know, most uh, economic development professionals and economists will tell you uh, it's not uh, at even near the top of the list of the most significant uh, cost structures that, that go into making uh, relocation uh, uh, decisions. Uh, so that brought us some stability. I mentioned the public uh, uh, pension uh, reform. We know we still uh, uh, have uh, have challenges. Uh, we're working with uh, members of, of, of the legislature, but the, 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 you know, the, the best way to get yourself out of a recession is uh, to be able to, to create jobs and uh, so that people are paying taxes. We've had 14 months of declining uh, unemployment, and we, we've seen net new job growth more than any state uh, in the Midwest. So you have more people working, more people paying taxes, and that's the best way to grow uh, the economy and get yourself out of recession. Okay.
1: Um, Mitch, uh, do you want to talk about the, the status of uh, Indiana's? I know you guys are in the black um, and what you're going to do to stay that way, if, um, whether or not you have any, um, you know, w- recent uh, wins that are going to boost your economy and, and that are being drawn there because of the uh, lower tax rates or you think will be? Well,
3: I think tax rates are, are and, and again, I would agree with Warren, I, I don't think taxes are 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 exclusive uh, reasons for uh, for business movement. I do think, though, it's a signal to the business community, both here in the United States and internationally, about what about the the business climate. Um, you know, we have worked over the last decade to create a very competitive, under Democrat and Republican governors alike, to really change the way our business climate looks, um, from tax structure to um, uh, infrastructure, major moves, uh, enormous number. The, by the way, the largest single construction project in the United States today is the development of I-69. It's 62 miles simultaneously, 62 miles of new interstate being built in southern Indiana that will connect Evansville uh, to Indianapolis uh, via, in, via interstate. So we have those kinds, of, those kinds of enormous public works projects going on throughout our state. Um, and, um, you know, all of that done while uh, expanding educational opportunities and maintaining a balanced budget. So, so, and I do agree, again, agree with Warren that g- businesses are looking for surety, right? In terms of w- when they make an investment, they're looking for surety. Um, and when you're in the black, it's a lot easier to convince business leaders that you're going to, that you will not need to raise taxes. Uh, we, by the way, also passed a constitutional amendment on, on property taxes in the state of Indiana. So, uh, to, make sure that they never go above for the individual 1% of assessed valuation. So we've made a lot of progress in the last decade uh, in Indiana um, and look forward to the next one to become even more competitive.
1: Todd, do you have anything to add?
3: Um, We talked a
2: little bit about Wisconsin's uh, budget. Uh, Governor Walker and the team have really tried to uh, get a handle on what they projected to be about a $3 billion deficit over the next biennium. Uh, that led to some of these hard choices that are being made with respect to uh number of budget decisions, including collective bargaining. Um, I learned yesterday that uh, you know some of the forecasts coming in from revenue were more conservative than thought, so uh, they do be, appear to be getting uh, getting close to a balanced budget for the biennium, which is what they'd like to do, so hopefully.
1: Okay. And do you want to say anything more about the um, Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation and what changes you expect to see? Are there going to be um, you know, more marketing, a change to incentive tools, uh, what their focus is?
2: Sure. Uh, with respect to the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, uh, there are some structural changes which are really more dealing with the governance uh, and, and how the organization is set up. Uh, Also, part of the reason for making the change is to be a little bit more aggressive with respect to how they go to market. Um, The state as a whole, from an economic development standpoint, has been pretty inadequate with respect to how it's marketed the state out uh, around the globe. Uh, I think there's a pretty big expectation that that will be ramped up considerably. I think there's a lot of uh, work going on right now about being more focused on supporting regions within the state and putting resources to some of those key regions, including our M7 region. Um, and also filling up the, the economic development toolbox. I mentioned some things with respect to tax credits, uh, some some new legislation, and then also the the move to establish a venture capital authority and put some some funding behind that. So I think those are maybe some of the highlights in the early, months of, the, of the, the formation of this new corporation. Okay.
1: Um, and before we open it up to questions, um, Warren, is Illinois open for business? And um, are, you re- are you recruiting, I mean, are you actively marketing, do you think, to um, outside areas? Um, I know Sun Coke was a recent um, win here that came from Knoxville, Tennessee, but um, how much did you go out and look for that or did it just just come?
4: Well, sure. I mean, we're recruiting um, every single day. I mean, we're we, you know we're not spending a lot of uh, advertising dollars or, or marketing dollars. Uh, we're letting our uh, our assets uh, sell ourselves. Uh, uh, but you know, we're we're pursuing uh, uh, business opportunities uh, through through our international offices, through our domestic international staff, through our regional offices, through uh, our office of, of business uh, development. Uh, we have a lot of uh, business come to us. They come to us through uh, uh, companies that, that uh, Cornet uh, represents through corporate uh, real estate um, uh, developers <laughs> in a number of different ways. Uh, you know, again, it, we've got access to, to world markets. We have transportation uh, infrastructure and networks that are uh, second to none. Uh, we've got uh, a world-class city uh, like Chicago um, you know, we've got a lot of tremendous assets that, that yeah, absolutely Illinois is open for business.
1: Uh, are there any questions from the audience? Oh. I've got one. Okay.
5: You've talked about net zero, Uline line moving across the border, yada, yada, yada. Um, what are you three doing to really get job growth going in our region? give me one or two real significant things that we can all get our head around that your states are doing to create real net positive job growth and i just heard what you said illinois uh, i think you guys got to be more active to get out there and help us private sector get more jobs but what are the states doing to to going out and being proactive so we aren't reading about the series of the worlds you know emailing this week about their potentially leaving the state Why aren't you talking to them earlier? Why aren't you out, you know, being more proactive? Because I'm from Illinois, so I'm gonna. That one's for you. The other two guys. When you see Sears email coming out this week that they're leaving potentially, what do you do about that? How serious do you take it?
4: (laughs) Why? Well, okay. First of all, I mean, we've uh, we've been in discussions with Sears uh, uh, for for quite a while. Uh, They have some. Local incentives that uh, that are expiring by uh, uh, by act of the uh, of, of law in the, the, through the general assembly. Uh, so we've been aware of that. We've been talking to them. But what are we doing? The thing you have to do is make investments in your infrastructure. Um, we're investing in our our roads and highways. We're developing uh, the best uh, intermodal transportation facilities. Um, we're opening further, opening up uh, uh, our markets, uh, our transportation structure to be able to get product uh, to market. Um, you know, those are the kind of investments, and we're actually working with uh, with Indiana on a on a public-private venture, the uh, the Illinois uh, the Illinois. Eliana, uh Expressway. I mean, those are tangible things that that a state through public funding uh, can uh, support. That actually makes a better place to do business. Those are the kind of fundamental investments uh, that uh, we have to focus on.
3: And, and, and I do think, Warren, one thing that we'd like to copy that you've done a better job that we've done than we've done at is your intermodal stuff. is really well done in Juliet. It's really good, um, and there are a lot of jobs being created in that part part of the state. And um, uh, they've done a nice job with their intermodal facilities. The um, Indiana fundamentally believes in creating the best sandbox, right? The best place for you and others to bring, to keep and bring your personal financial capital, right? We don't spend a lot of money on incentives. As the site selection consultants here know, right? We try to create a low cost business environment with great infrastructure, uh, high caliber universities, and we spend a lot of time uh, at IEDC uh, working with small companies, um, gazelle companies, kind of in in the hope that those companies um, become. The uh, Eli Lilies of the future, right? Growing your own. It, it, I spend most of my efforts are spent overseas or in other parts of the country, trying to get a business expansions to Indiana or keep businesses from in, in Indiana choosing to expand there. But our the mo- most important stuff we do is creating the business environment and then working with with entrepreneurs uh, to grow that next generation of Gazelle companies uh, in Indiana. And we've been. Uh, The Midwest has not been um, terrific at that. Most of those really, really great companies that President Obama talked about didn't necessarily grow up in Chicago or Milwaukee or in Indianapolis. Uh, Some have, uh, Groupon, a good example of one. Um, uh, We have our examples in Indiana. But that's really where we're going to build wealth um, is with entrepreneurship that uh, springs up um, from our, our uh, great Big Ten Universities. That's one thing Illinois, Indiana, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio have really have going for them. And now Nebraska uh, have going for them is, is a Big Ten and a great, great university base.
2: Um, I guess in, Iowa too. In uh, my neck of the woods, which is uh, working at a little bit more local level, um, we were the recipient of Uline uh, deciding to move to Pleasant Prairie. But maybe to, to Mitch's point a little bit with respect to Uline, was a couple of entrepreneurs started that company in the basement of their house. Today they employ over 2,000 people. So, you know, yes, there's going to be some transition of companies moving from points around the region and within the region. More of our time is spent on encouraging uh, what we call second stage companies. We spend a, a considerable amount of time finding companies that are. 15, 20, 30 employees and 10 million in revenue that are gonna be 200 employees and 100 million in revenue in five or 10 years. We focus a lot on that. Um, I talked a little bit about some of the things the state is doing with respect to creating more pools and better pools of risk capital to fund some of these fast growth companies with respect to either angel investments, venture capital or some of that kind of, just a little bit more uh, risk uh, capital. Uh, additionally, we, we as a Milwaukee 7 region are really starting to ramp up efforts with respect to attracting foreign direct investment, specifically from Europe. In the last uh, 12 or 18 months, we've probably had a half a dozen uh, Western European companies cite major foreign direct investment facilities in southeast Wisconsin. So, in mo- you know, there are some of those instances where you see a company hang a shingle out down the street and you say that didn't really move the needle on economic development, a lot of times we are, uh, that, that's the, the minority of the stuff we would be involved in. A lot of times it is foreign direct investments, it's new companies growing, it, or it's existing companies making major investments in expansions.
5: My question is to Mitch. I'm aware of the alternate energy, um, like incentives that are offered to residents. And can you, in Indiana, can you elaborate more on the um, incentives that alternative energy um, can offer businesses that relocate to Indiana as well?
3: Uh, It depends on which, uh, who's, who's, uh, those those incentives, those incentives you're referencing are generally uh, granted by the utilities. So it will vary from part portion of the state in terms of whose service territory you're in, uh, in terms of what those incentives are. But for green energy, particularly uh, generated in our wind farms, uh, if you drive between here and Indianapolis, you'll see thousands of, of, of wind turbines uh, in Indiana. Um, quite candidly, much of that, that, gets that, that electric power gets sold in Michigan uh, as, well as, uh, uh, as well as parts of Indiana. So uh, those kinds of. Uh, People want to buy that energy, we have an apple supply in Indiana.
1: Go ahead.
0: Chris. As a follow on, this is for the audience. Uh, Jennifer and I are also co-sponsoring a program next week on workforce development, Mm -hmm. your workforce or mine. So if you have any of these kind of questions, we'd like you to be sure to take a look at the uh, handout that's on your table today. And you'll see that the next program is May 19th. It's a free program. It's going to be at Duffin-Phelps, and, and she's throwing on a full Sunday brunch, right? Yes. Yes. And no, seriously, it'll be continental. But uh, with that, thank you very much.
1: I have, um, I have a little bit of a follow-on question to what you were just discussing. Um, I know that a lot of foreign direct investment from Asia and from other parts of the world actually that's looking at the Great Lakes region does wind up in Ontario as opposed to any of the U.S. Midwest states, um, and part of that due to the FIT programs they have and renewable energy investments that they'll make and specifically the incentives they give in that regard. Um, could you comment on any if you're looking at renewable energy as a source of job creation in this region or if that's just something that doesn't make sense
4: for us? Well, in Illinois, yeah, it absolutely makes a, a lot of sense, and we're putting a lot of uh, uh, investment, and we have a pretty aggressive uh, renewable portfolio standard that requires uh, uh, by year 2025 that 25% of the uh, energy be uh, produced uh, from uh, renewable uh, sources. Uh, that has helped uh, spur a lot of uh, uh, wind investment. Um, Uh, It is true that uh, utility policy does uh, uh, play a a pretty uh, large role in that, but the other thing that that we're really uh, focusing on is uh, increasing our our transmission uh, capacity and putting an investment uh, in in smart uh, grid uh, technologies. Um, I mean, as I said in my opening remarks, we have to move toward a more uh, sustainable, renewable, greener, uh, economy. Those are going to be the kind of jobs that uh, uh, are part of this uh, transformative economy that uh, that we're seeing. We're also making uh, investments in manufacturing companies uh, that are looking to retool and refit to uh, uh, become uh, supply chain providers uh, to the uh, renewable uh, uh, technologies. Uh, and then uh, and, and something that goes along with that that I think should not also be overlooked is is uh, energy efficiency, the huge investments uh, that are being made in, in energy efficiency that uh, uh, provides jobs but also helps uh, lower one of the most significant uh, business costs uh, that are out there, and that's utilities.
3: Uh, in Indiana, uh, first of all, you guys are doing some neat stuff on solar as well up in Rockford. Uh, we've got some solar stuff I think so uh, going on in Indiana, both the R&D level all the way to production. We've got the the largest production facility, largest solar production facility, in America is going to be in a town called Tipton, Indiana, which is about halfway between Indianapolis and Kokomo on US 31. Um, We do a lot of wind. Uh, We don't do. We've not been successful in attracting wind manufacturers to our state because we don't have an RPS, Uh, and um, we we are uh, we have very low electric rates, but we do not have an RPS, and our utilities have chosen not to do pay to play, which essentially is if you bring your wind production facility, we'll buy X amount of kilowatt hours from those wind uh, powers. We've not, uh, Indiana's cho- Indiana and the IURC in Indiana have chosen not to play that game and, and uh, we've got low electric rates, no RPS, but no wind uh, manufacturers uh, of, of uh, with, with, one, with one important exception and that's Bravini. Um, in terms of batteries, we spent a lot of time on batteries because we um, are, are, are a big automotive state. Um, <coughs> Uh, we've got uh, quite a bit of bar- battery research going on. We're the home of Interdell and Inter1, the Think Car, which is an all-electric vehicle on the road today. So we spend a lot of time on batteries. And we're, we're doing some stuff with Illinois, coal, Illinois Basin Coal, which bleeds into Indiana, um, uh, in the south uh, on coal gasification, um, both turning it into natural gas uh, and injecting that, that uh, uh, CO2 uh, into the ground. Uh, and that's what I know about coal gasification. So if you have follow-up <laughs> questions on it, I'll, I'll be happy to put you in touch with somebody. But uh, um, I don't know. You guys are doing you, you guys are doing some coal gasification yeah. stuff? Future Gen project.
4: Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, in in Wisconsin, with respect to alternative energy, uh, it kind of varies by region. Uh, the northeast part of the state is heavy into wind and wind turbine manufacturing and the supply chain for that. Uh, southeast part of the state, we. We actually did locate a Spanish wind turbine manufacturer in the last two years. Inga Inga Team cited a plant in Milwaukee. Um, Battery is an area that, uh, because Johnson Controls is headquartered in Milwaukee, it's advanced batteries are an area of concentration. So, kind of varies based on region and based on technology, what kind of competencies we have. But it is a field
1: that we play in. Okay, I think we have time for just one more question, and um, we'll go. Yes, um, obviously it is very important with uh, bringing in businesses and the corporations to boost economic development. And you touched lightly on the small business. You mentioned Groupon, of course. Are there any other initiatives to uh, support the small to medium-sized business owner and the entrepreneurs, um, maybe even leveraging the mobile office space concept? Maybe You mean like a financing tools or Partnerships with universities
4: and and both? Um. Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, there's uh, right now uh, small businesses in in the state of Illinois uh, uh, can uh, qualify for a $2,500 tax credit for uh, each new uh, position, full time position uh, that they hire. Uh, That credit uh, took effect uh, July 1 of last year. It's retroactive. The small business has hired someone since then. It does end on June 30th. It was an initiative of the governor to, uh, to incent small businesses uh, to hire uh, uh, people now. Um, there's a new angel investment uh, tax credit that provides uh, incentives for private investors uh, to invest in uh, these early stage uh, firms. That, that just took effect uh, a few months ago. Uh, we've uh, more than, well we've doubled this, the number of our international trade centers that specifically focus on bringing uh, small businesses uh, into uh, the export markets. Uh, Governor Quinn has embraced uh, the, the national uh, goals of doubling uh, exports uh, in five years and uh, the only way to do that is to, to get a lot more company, uh, uh, companies into the export uh, business and that has to be uh, focus on, on, on small businesses. We have over 500,000 <laughs> small businesses in Illinois. It's 95% of all business establishments uh, are, are small business. Here's an interesting statistic. If, if each one of those uh, businesses just hired one, impo- one new person, it would lower our unemployment rate by 5%. So, there you go.
1: I will just add that um, the resources that Warren is mentioning are accessible, the Small Business Development Centers as well as the International Trade Centers, through the Department of Commerce. So if you get on their website, you can learn about them as well as their networking opportunities. Thanks. A lot of those were local issues, ahead?
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah the, the most formal thing we're seeing done in our region, I, I mentioned the Venture Capital Association, that the state's looking to form, and really that's about getting additional risk capital available. Uh, the, the model that's being used in our region is an is a organization called Biz Starts Milwaukee. It's really modeled after something that was done in Cleveland. I believe the organization there is called JumpStart, And it really is just this initiative that is getting local successful entrepreneurs, business champions, venture capitalists, investors, all behind this mission of we got to have more startup companies and we got to see more of these startup companies make it through the infant mortality stage where they're growing and adding to the economy. And so, uh, there, there's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, uh, high-level goal for how many startups we want to create in the region. Uh, the, the Venture Capital Fund that the state has set up I think is going to help that, but it's an initiative to really just kind of get business people that have done it, been there, done that, and have been successful with it to be involved in mentoring companies, putting capital to companies, being angel investors in companies, serving on boards of startup companies with the idea that we need more startups <laughs> and more of them need to graduate.
3: Uh, Indiana runs something called the 21st Century Fund. It's a, for lack of a better explanation, it's a state-sponsored venture capital fund that we operate. We partner with uh, VCs or angel investors at the Valley of Death stage, uh, primarily that you're referencing. Um, we've created a new group called Elevate Ventures, which ties together efforts uh, across the northern tier of our state. Uh, again, stolen f- whole hog out of Ohio and the uh, uh, opportunities that, ju- that uh, Jump has done there. Um, and uh, we'll expand that statewide. So Indianapolis, uh, Central Indiana is very robust and is big enough to have that kind of robust um, uh, entrepreneurial uh, opportunities. Um, candidly, other parts of the state uh, need to connect uh, with each other uh, to create the critical mass around which entrepreneurship can happen because it, it, it really does re- require Uh, some degree of mentoring and and entrepreneurs and residents. Communities um, with 50,000 people don't have that scale in most cases unless you get the extraordinary individual. And and ultimately, most entrepreneurs who are successful uh, turn out to be the extraordinary individual. And they don't really need help from government.
1: Okay, well, well thank you all for your time. I think we've uh, covered everything.
0: Thank you, everybody. For, uh, for I just have one more thing. It sounded like we started off where we should have titled this the program Caught in the Middle or something along those lines, but it sounded like you guys had a lot to agree upon towards the end of this thing, and it really was how the Midwest was one. and I had one quote that I wanted just to throw out there before everybody takes off, and it's from a former Missouri, so Missouri governor, so not to point fingers at anybody up there, who now teaches at Webster Webster University, Robert Holden. The age of agriculture and manufacturing made us great. The age of globalization has left us behind. We must become a region. We must think and act as a region. Thank you, everybody. Please uh, fill out your surveys, and uh, we appreciate your feedback.